let's go. Welcome to Toxic Airwaves, show for Bitcoin maximalists, by Bitcoin maximalists of the toxic variety. How you doing tonight, Steve? Doing pretty good. I think it's also show number four, which I was what I thought you were saying earlier, but I was understood. Yeah, well, it is show number four. So yeah, we're going to talk about some good stuff tonight. Uh, you want to start us off with the with our sponsor, Dirtbags? Yes. Yeah, yes. Everybody go check out Dirtbags Bar in Tucson, Arizona. They are on Speedway in Campbell. I just realized the previous three times I did not mention where they are so that you guys did not have the opportunity to go check them out. So go check out Dirtbags Bar. They are our sponsor. And as you all know, they are the greatest place in Southern Arizona to meet your future ex-wife. Yes, 100%. They're great place they have six dollar burgers um beers are kind of expensive though from what i remember but that's pretty standard for a campus bar but what you're getting is some great atmosphere that's right and once we become sponsored by them in actually then uh, maybe we can work out some kind of discount for toxic airwaves listeners yeah that would be incredible i'm sure everybody would be going out there yeah we got some fun news this week max kaiser it's coming out to Arizona on August 19th. I'm looking forward to that uh, for the fuck Elon tour. It's going to be a blast. Bummed you won't make it, Steve. I will be in Texas at that time, going to Austin Bit Devs and then sticking around for Bitblock Boom. Yeah. Well, we've got some good news to start off on tonight. I'm really, really excited about this. So the National Bureau of Government Economic Research says that COVID the COVID recession is over. Yep. It ended April 20th. So uh, anybody that's still having economic problems, uh, it must be something else because the recession's over. All these small businesses that had to close down out there. Yep. We made know it. they're all, they're all back to normal because the recession's over. Yeah. So good to go. Yeah. Glad, glad they don't need any help anymore. hundred percent. So I wonder how they judge that. Uh, I'm sure they have some bullshit metric like, how inflation's calculated or something like one of those things where they can adjust the inputs until they get the output that they want. Yeah. Which is essentially what they do with inflation. Yeah. They're really good at that. I mean, I'm at the point right now. I just don't trust any statistic that's uh, put forward to me in any regard. Yeah. yeah. I saw one that was saying that uh, 99% of hospitalizations for COVID in the past month were, from unvaccinated individuals. I think that's really untrue. So, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, let's talk about some ESG stuff. Oh yeah. I don't think Marty's paranoid in the slightest. I do not either. Um, yeah. I, that was, uh, I don't know how many, how much crossover we have as rabbit, rabbit hole recap, but that was um, one, I don't know, I guess it one tweet that Marty read on air that, that is basically two questions that I, I don't know. In all this, it's easy to get really distracted by what I think that Darren guy was saying on the podcast about, you know, the renewable mix is 68 point whatever percent. And it's, it's all these facts and they, you know, the people that are promoting this stuff don't, they don't, they don't care about facts. Like that's, I think one area where I would have aligned a lot with what Marty was saying, but like the two basic questions as I see it are, you know, are we adapting and redeeming this existing system or are we building a parallel system? And then the other question is, does the mob matter? 
And for me, I think we're building a parallel system. The mob absolutely does not matter. Um, and I think that, I mean, taking, not, not just taking these people serious, but, you know, like somebody like Sailor not realizing that, you know, he talks about like the one, there's 1% that are opposed to Bitcoin and 1% that are pro and then everybody else doesn't care. And it's like those people that are opposed that are the, the ones pulling the strings, like they're, you know, in my opinion, are outright communists. Like I don't, I don't think it's an exaggeration. And it's like what a lot of people don't realize is the, like the, 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 the violence that these people typically employ to, to get what they want, um, which is very, not, very much not good. Yeah, you suggested for me to read uh, uh, Kill Vanish. Oh, Surprise Kill Vanish. Surprise Kill Vanish. By Annie Jacobson. It's a very, very, very good history of the CIA. And uh, she is, you know, I mean, I, I like conspiratorial stuff as much as anybody, but she's like totally straight-laced, you know. She, she'll give a presentation at Harvard like that. She's that that kind of a, of a writer and author and um, also an extremely good, um, I don't know what you, she's not a historian, but, you know, escape journalist, something like that. Um, but it's a very, very good history of the CIA. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've been I'm about halfway through it. It's a really interesting book. Yeah, and she there she she goes through a lot of the like she profiles this guy named Billy Waugh who was I mean he was the first um, person to get a picture of Osama bin Laden back in the nineties in either Sudan or Somalia, one of those S countries in Africa. I believe it was Sudan. But, yeah. Yeah, I just bring that book up to kind of uh, go off your point of these people are violent, they hate us, and they have no regard, you know, for what we're going through. And I th I think, too, like, because I'm also, like, a lot of times this gets, paid, you know, kind of painted as a very nihilistic, pessimistic view. Um, for me, I think it's actually extremely positive. Like, this idea that we're building a parallel system, to me, that means that what these people have control over is not something that we want to be involved with anyway. So they've got, you know, they've got the banks locked down. They've got the big corporations locked down. Like they've essentially they've cemented control over a pile of ashes. And I think as Bitcoiners, we have the opportunity to say, yeah, yeah, no, you guys keep doing that, you know, print another $6 trillion and, you know, have your corporations in all this nonsense, um, you know, have ESG, you know, whatever, like all this, all this garbage. Um, we're going to be over here building, building the future and building a parallel system and building, you know, hopefully eventually parallel societies as well. And, you know, there will be, you know, a lot large, you know, I think like communist hellhole type areas for, for, for quite a while. Um, well, you kind of see that happening in the inner cities right now where these people really have, a large amount of control and i think that's you know clearly tied together where they get to run their welfare programs and manipulate every aspect of our lives and economy so i think rural areas are a lot safer and i'm moving rural for that reason but yeah yeah marty hit a really good thread um so black BlackRock, Vanguard, and other index providers are scooping up large portions of shares by publicly traded companies dealing with Bitcoin. Well, will they use their voting power to influence business operations? Or will they use their power? 
So they bought some Marathon, they bought some Riot, they bought some macro, micro strategy, some Square. Um, so yeah, I mean, pretty much all the big players in the U or some of the biggest players in the U.S. are now owned by these guys that are promoting this ESG narrative. 100, percent they're going to try and control it. Yeah, and I think I think the opportunity that we have is, you know, like if if we're right, then you know, bowing to this ESG narrative is a massive competitive advantage. Because what you know, what does that entail? And it's going to entail financial censorship. It's going to entail uneconomic forms of electricity. It's going to all this stuff that's not directly related to you know acquiring as much Bitcoin as possible. And so it's in my, I think it's inherently a disadvantage. But it's it's just about you know what is what does that look like in the short to medium term? How do we how do we um, kill that threat sooner rather than later? Yeah. I think Marathon was the one that proposed the idea of mining clean blocks right off the bat. And so this isn't that out there. They're already talking about doing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I totally, like, I think, you know, going off of what you said about, about not worrying about the, what worrying as much about what the mob says. I mean, if you could walk into a grocery store and you ask anybody common sense questions, um, they're probably not going to be able to answer it. You ask them what what's a good investment, they couldn't give you a straight answer. Um, people are, are you know tuned out and not very educated on these topics, and so they just kind of go along with whatever's going. And those aren't the people that are going to be making a difference in the future. And so I totally agree with you about the idea of going and making those parallel systems because at the end of the day, I think the only thing that we can actually control is small scale stuff. So like, you know, if we go into politics, we're going to lose that battle because it's a rigged game. You know, we're watching, uh, you know, the GameStop rebellion, those guys, you know, are playing a rigged game. You know, there's not a whole lot we could do outside of just going and starting to build our citadels for real. So. And it's like at, at the end of the day, you know, it's like the, the power of, I mean, the existing system has already peaked. So the power, resource accumulation, all that there is trending towards zero. You know, it might be going a lot slower than we would like, but it's been trending towards zero for, you know, for a while now. I, you know, I would comfortably say at least for the last, at least since 2008, um, probably much earlier. And, you know, whereas these parallel systems were, were, I mean, they start with nothing and they trend towards infinity. And so there, I, I definitely think, and I don't even think it needs to get to the point to where, these parallel systems are as big as the existing system. I mean, once they're, I mean, I don't know what that critical mass is, 5%, something like that. It's probably not too much higher than that. You know, to where it really starts to build a mass and people realize, oh, you know, I can opt out. I don't, I don't have to deal with all this nonsense. And it's like people are, I think, I think that's what incentivizes people to, to really learn and become sovereign in self-custody is that they get to such a hard spot with the existing system that they're, almost forced to opt out hmm. to, to opt into the parallel system, but just, just the whole Bitcoin world, circular economy, you can call it all, all the different buzzwords. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, our, our whole generation is at the point where we're, the majority of us struggle to be able to afford a house. And it's just ridiculous because of the inflation. It's very clearly a result of the inflation. And not the 2% of reported inflation. 
so I was in an Uber just this week and the guy, he was from Afghanistan and he was telling me about how the, the medium price in Tucson, I believe like three years ago was like 150 grand. Mm -hmm. And today I wanted to say he was saying it was like 250 or 300 or something like that. So it's effectively doubled in three years. And, you know, and he's, and he, he was relatively clued in. Like we ended up talking later about how terrible central banking is and stuff like that. So he was particularly aware guy, but that's, he was saying, you know, his, his basic point was housing doubled, you know, did your income double? Did my income double? Did anyone else's income? No, you know, and, you know, maybe some people's did, but I don't know. It's just like, like very, you know, average everyday people are cluing into that something is, something's very fucked up. Yeah. Oh, we got somebody. We got Joe Rogers. Joe yeah, I Rogers. Think first Joe. Chihuahua maximalist. Long time listener, first time caller. Welcome to the show. It's an honor. I just dialed in. What uh, was the topic of conversation? Oh, we were just talking inflation. Inflation and ESG was just about to shill uh, our Saris's article, actually. So if you want to, if you want oh, to, I actually, I read it today. It was fantastic. I don't want to show it. You show it. All right. Uh, Colin. Oh, I don't I actually don't know his last name. I only know Arceris mostly. It's on his Twitter or on the article. Crossman. Colin. Uh, Bitcoin, carbon credits, and regenerative farming on Bitcoin Magazine. It's a very good article. So it's what we were talking about earlier was, you know, could be summarized as fuck ESG. And um, call, I'm just going to call him Arceris because Colin feels weird. Um, Arceris has a very, very good article. In, in Bitcoin Magazine, talking about one angle, how, um, you know, basically ranchers, if you guys follow Untapped Growth, I'm sure most of you do, um, kind of what he's doing. And um, Arceris, I believe, has been involved in that to some degree. Um, but basically where they can use these ranches to get carbon credits, to sell them, to fund the operations, to pay off the land, to do all, all sorts of uh, all sorts of different things. Um, but yeah, it's a good article. And his... You know, it's the way I read that article, at least, it was more of a accelerationist, bleed the system dry. Um, I don't know. To me, like, it's a very different approach from Michael Saylor's, you know, they're just nice people with some questions. All they need to do is, you know, fill out a form. Why are you giving them so much trouble? They're not communist terrorists, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I thought Arceris had a great example, a great article on how some Bitcoiners might, might take advantage of this to, to do some cool stuff like regenerative agriculture. Hmm. Maybe Don's question. Yeah, I was worried that Don wasn't going to show up today. Don's question is: Michael Saylor, a Trojan horse for the U.S. government? Well, uh, in the the dirtbags chat, the the whole topic of that, or was it whenever that that interview first came out, I started the discussion with asking if anybody had listened to it, and. Uh, I forget what I said. Something to the effect of "motherfucker sounds like a spook," hmm. um, and I—I I don't know. I—I I took the position that we got a fundamentally different look at Sailor during that interview. Um, I don't know to what extent anybody agrees with that or disagrees with that, but you know, I never—I never had these like cypherpunk expectations of Sailor. You know, he's a public company CEO. He's you know, he probably gets three prostate exams a week from federal regulators. I mean, this is not, this is not a guy that's going to care about privacy, self-custody, just, you know, never has, never will. 
you know, wolves eat deer and trees grow leaves. Like these are just kind of observations. Um, and it's, and so anyway, all that to say, you know, was not expecting him to be some kind of cypherpunk hero or anything like that, but still hearing how, I don't know, like how disingenuous his, his counter arguments were, how dismissive of the facts of what's happening today um, that is nefarious and terrible. And then just the, the general apology and the kind of presentation of, you know, oh, most of these ESG folks are, you know, they're just consultants or whatever. And it's like, no, these are not, I mean, most of them. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy song did a good Bitcoin tech talk episode this morning and he was trashing Eric Voorhees. And one of the things he said was, um, when you're paid, when your paycheck is dependent on not understanding something, you're not going to understand it. And I think that's kind of looking at Michael Saylor, you know, he doesn't have this company and, you know, all of the success without, uh, government permissions and okay. And, you know, we're trending in the direction of ESG where it is, you know, starting to become the standard for investing. And there's a lot bigger powers at play, um, that are pushing it and will go after you if you don't comply and bend the knee to it. Um, so yeah, it's okay, Don, we're glad you're here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think it comes back to the idea we were talking about a couple of weeks ago is everybody could potentially be an attack vector towards Bitcoin. And I think it's important not to put too much faith in, you know, different individuals. There's some things that Michael Saylor says that are really good. Like you need Bitcoin because it's, uh, gosh, Don. Yes, he does, Don. Um, you need Bitcoin because cash is a melting ice cube, you know, and that's great and all, but, um, without Bitcoin being decentralized and immutable and um, censorship resistant. And it, it really isn't that special or different from, you know, the upcoming fed coin or anything like that. So. And it's like, if you study history, like this is how these kind, and this isn't just Bitcoin specific, like these are how these social attacks, um, you know, how, how they develop and how, I mean, it's how subver subversion has worked throughout history. Like they don't, they don't come out with, you know, no self-custody because of the environment, you know, something, something racism on day one, you know, they, they ratchet it up slowly. And I don't know, there's the thing that, that kind of catches me off guard is how many people, you know, aren't aware that like historically the people pushing these policies, they're, they're the people that are willing to put somebody up against a wall. And like, this is, I don't know, like this is, this is the here, the kind of the history of these, these kind of leftist revolutionary leaning movements is it's not, it's not a bunch of people, you know, talking about how can, how can we fund a park together or something like that? Yeah. I don't even know if I would um, call this a leftist movement um, because if you look at like the leftist movements that are going on right now uh, that are really um, taking a lot of foothold in every aspect of society with the critical race theory stuff and, it, it seems like it's more of a tool used to undermine any sort of serious movement that's going on rather than it being, um, I don't, I don't think these, you know, trillionaires and, and people that are really pulling the strings and pushing the ESG movement are, are ultimately communists. I think they just want to steal everybody's stuff and, uh, 
you know, eat rich and, and laugh as all the small businesses are shuttered. So, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, there's a really, I'm trying to remember the, who the, who wrote it, but there's a book called, I believe it's called Wall Street and the Bolsheviks, but it is a really interesting book about how, basically how Wall Street worked with the Bolsheviks to launch the revolution, to play both sides <laughs> of the war. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, they, Thing, I think I don't know what what the right term is for that because I, I do think it's the same group of people who did that who you know not to get into it but did 9/11 and who did the coronavirus who did all this stuff that's you know that's going on today is it's the it's the same you know like it's the financial globe it's the JP you know the people that run the banks and and it's I don't I don't um, I don't know. I don't know what exactly their motivations are beyond beyond kind of power and control. But it's like, you know, all different kinds of people from all over the all over the world, all over the globe. But it's like the people who who try to to you know to try to take control of these movements and use them for their own for their own ends. One of our streams is down. Weird. Yeah, young lurk. Welcome back to the show. The ESG movement is people realizing that they're losing power. So they're changing the narrative for their favor. I think that's a good take on it. And I think they're, I think they're, they're definitely, you know, I definitely, that's one big thing I think Marty got right in that interview is it's about control and it's, you know, these people are about societal control, economic control. You know, they've got all the answers. We're all the dumb peasants. You know, they know, they know what we need. So, you know, just sit back and let Uncle Joe and Uncle Jerome Powell take care of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Central banking is just so evil and and so unjustified. And I don't know why there isn't, you know, a a massive uproar about that in our society right now, because it seems like it's just pretty apparent what's happening. Yeah. I think just most people, you know, like that Uber driver, like they, you know, they, they haven't quite, you know, made the full full kind of connection because it's it's a big it's a big leap to realize like the foundation of the society you live on live in is like corrupt and evil that it's not just you know there's some good and some bad it's like no it's fundamentally corrupt and it's built on control and authoritarianism and you know for the first time in history we have a tool that lets us opt out at scale that's it's pretty exciting yeah, I think like in the face of this, going back to the idea of the Citadel, I, I think this is such a, you know, powerful idea uh, going back to, again, you know, focusing on the things that we can't control because to a large degree, we can't control, um, you know, what these guys are going to do, what the monetary policy is going to be. They have all the guns. Um, like Joe Biden said, you can't take on the government without F-15s and nukes, um, which is true to some extent. Um but I think, you know, just opting out, like one of the things, you know, we were talking in our um, meetup chat today about what the potential for another round of lockdowns is. And it is, you know, a possibility. And there are a lot of people in Tucson that want to lock down again, that have not taken their masks off, even, you know, after getting vaccinated um, and, and really get upset with other people for uh, not wearing masks. And, uh, you know, there's a potential for that to happen, but, you know, having networks of businesses that, you know, won't respect that. Um, I've been trying to move our meetup 
exclusively over to this one business that stayed open uh, and didn't require masks through the entire um, mass. And I think patronaging businesses like that. And then also, you know, having like, I mean, if we lock down again, I, and I'll happily have meetups at my house, you know, and have events at my house. Like, um, we barbecue at a park or there's all kinds of, yeah. I don't know. Rahina doesn't like the parks. We'll, we'll tear down her caution tape she puts around all over the place. I did that, and uh, I was living in Portland when Portland, Oregon, when COVID first hit, and I'd take my kids to the park and tear down the caution tape, and it would get so many dirty looks from a bunch of uptight lunatics up there. So, I don't know. And then the other kids were mad, and I was like, "Hey, kid, you know it's not my fault. Your mom sucks." Yeah, I just couldn't believe that. You know, walking through the parks. Yeah. Seeing that tape, like that does anything. I, I threw that shit in the trash, and yeah, told my kids we were not going to let a bunch of a bunch of idiots ruin our fun. <laughs> such a great thing, such a great attitude to have. I mean, it, it's just it, like my life per, pre Bitcoin, uh, the amount of power that I had was very little. And this is something I try and share with liberty-minded people is like, if you're locked out of the financial system, there's really nothing you can do. And if you don't have any meaningful savings, there's nothing that you can do. Yeah. Just a slave. And it's, I can't remember if we talked about it here or separately, but I remember we were talking about, you know, just the idea of that, you know, Africa with telecommunications went from nothing to cell phones. They just totally skipped the whole landline infrastructure. And it's like probably that continent with Bitcoin is going to go from nothing to Bitcoin financial services and skip a lot of the banking middle layer and all that garbage. Um, but Don Reedy is asking me how the wolves were. The wolves are fantastic. My older son's obsessed with wolves. We went to a wolf sanctuary in Colorado uh, for a good time, about a four or five day trip. It was, it was super fun. How many wolves were there? There were, I think, 20 something. And then uh, there were also these dogs that were from New Guinea that were supposed to be special. But if I saw them at a PetSmart, I would just think they were normal dogs. So I don't know what was going on with that. But uh, the wolves were pretty awesome, especially the big ones. Did they all howl at night together? Um, they, we did hear them. We did hear some of them howl. And uh, yeah, learned all kinds of new fun facts. Like a wolf bite is significantly stronger than a lion bite. A wolf is 1,500 PSI. A lion is 900. Anyway, that's enough about, enough about wolves. I can't believe I didn't ask you that. Yeah. I, that was I had that on my mind to ask you first. That's a good time. First thing when you came over. Yeah. Got Phil trying to connect. All right. We'll see. Logical logistics. You got anything for us? Uh, just I'll add on to the wolves. Um, there's a wolf pack in Yellowstone that only hunts bison, which is like the most badass thing I've ever heard of, coming from a wolf. Nice. That is interesting. There's some gangster wolves. Bison are huge. Yeah. I spent some time on a wolf refuge, and that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and these, you have to be 18, but you can actually go in and, like, pet them and hang out with them and stuff like that. And, yeah, I was not gonna, obviously not going to let my kid do that, but <laughs> they're fun to see. I, I fed one with my hand. It freaked right. me out. Yeah. It was terrifying. The thing was huge. 
and it's I knew some people in um, by Portland that had these dogs. One of them was three quarters wolf, one quarter husky, and one was half husky, half wolf, and they were they were big. <laughs> so now that the COVID recession is over, what yeah. do we do? Um, I guess just sit back and watch the money flow in. Maybe I don't know. Are they going to be? giving out any more stimulus checks in the future, do you think? I don't know. I saw there was some kind of child tax credit because I had the misfortune of walking by a TV with MSNBC on. So I watched it for about 45 seconds. And so it was Biden and uh, Kamala the cop talking about some child tax credit thing. So I don't know where that's at. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that recently. I don't have any kids, so I don't know. Uh yeah, the have you noticed any since coming back to Tucson, have you noticed anything about the economic state of status of our city? Um good question. I haven't paid real close attention to things. I had my work's remote, so I wasn't really looking for work when I got down here, so I didn't really see what that what that job market's like or whatever. Um I think a good, I was pleasantly surprised, a good chunk of the restaurants I remembered from when I lived here before were still around. So that was, that was good. Like a couple of my favorite Indian spots. Yeah. Yeah, there hasn't been, there's been like a couple iconic restaurants that have shut down, but for the most part, I think everything's doing okay. I think it was helpful that we we didn't get a huge, uh, oh. The new BIP, that's the financial, some Bitcoin ATM company, I believe, proposed it. Uh, so Don is asking, what do you guys think about the new BIP that was proposed? I forget the number. Um, I don't remember the number either. But there was a BIP from some, uh, yeah, some ATM. The KYC. Oh my God. I, I didn't that know it was that, that terrible. I, I saw that. I just glanced on it. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing. It's like, we're, you know, we're supposed to adjust the port, the protocol to meet the, regulatory requirements of your business go fuck yourself 300 at 300 is that what we are talking about no, no that's the drive chain one um i i don't think it's actually a bit yet okay. uh, i think they were yeah i think they were just uh like sourcing comments on it i don't think it's actually been formalized into a bit yet somebody correct me if i'm wrong though gotcha that sounds right i hope it never gets formalized and it dies <laughs> well i think this we we kind of have to be relentless um, with this stuff and, and battling it because what they tend to do is they they float some awful idea uh, that they know they'll get s- some bad reaction from and then they'll present something that's a little less ridiculous but then they'll slowly bring it back mm-hmm. again. We're seeing this with vaccine passports right now. Um, what's going on, Phil? Good to have you on. What's up? I hope I don't get kicked off. I was having connection issues, but my Wi-Fi is garbage. But I was wondering if you dudes knew what the proper dosage of ivermectin is for the coup. Uh, I haven't looked into it. You could ask Marty what he took, because I know that I know he had a very good experience with it. I did DM him. I think okay. he's busy being Daddy Marty, uh, but. Um, Wait, okay, so it sounds like Steve is on the other end. Is that Steve? Yeah. Yes, it is. Who is what he? up, dude? Phil Gibson. Oh, yeah, yeah. How are you doing? 
I'm doing all right. No, I'm asking about the the Koof serum because uh, one of our friends you get the Rona. Yeah, you know, one of our friends at the meetup got the Rona, and then they went back to Cali and they finally got some uh, ivermectin. But they were like, I don't know how much to take. I'm like, well, take a shot and chase it with a shot of tequila. It sounds like a question but, for a doctor. Yeah, I mean, you could Google, yeah, right. You could Google, like, too the bad standard. the doctors won't fucking tell you. Google the standard dose, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's yeah, double look it or right something. Now. I don't know if that's approved in the U.S. for that usage. Yeah, I looked into a little bit of iver what ivermectin is, and it's generally treated used to treat parasites. Yeah, I think I got a B in high school biology, and that's the extent of my medical credentials. Nice. Are you a product of public school as well? I am. Yeah. Gosh, I'm still working on yeah, lots of lots of deprogramming still. Yeah, what what do you think's like the best way to deprogram from public school? What's been your best resource? Um, for me, the motivation too was definitely having kids. Um, of like really causing me to to question a lot of the you know, rather than, oh, this is just how I do things, like to really question, you know, each thing. And is that something I want to pass on to them? Is that something that I want to emulate for them? And so that, you know, like I was, you know, started having kids nine years ago. So this is a while ago, but, you know, it would have been kind of a standard constitutional, you know, LARPitarian, you know, I don't know, just kind of that, that perspective of, of, you know, a lot of good principles as far as, you know, fuck the state, things like that, but just nothing in the way of actually doing anything worthwhile with it. And, you know, thinking that Gary Johnson does something and all that garbage. Um, and so, and then, you know, it's really, yeah, just kind of more and more like just questioning different things. It's like, Oh, you know, like I said, you know, why, why do I think that, where did it come from? Is that something that I want to pass on to them? Kind of hopefully, I mean, I'm sure I'm still passed on all kinds of nonsense, but hopefully filtering that down at least a little bit. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, that and, and like for me, COVID was a huge wake up. I mean, this, oh, Bud Tugley, I know who that is. Uh, COVID19criticalcare.com. Follow these guys, they're great. All right. Um, yeah, but uh, actually, Bud Tugley, you should join. Join the uh, Twitter spaces. Can you figure that out? Are you smart enough? Might be hard to find. It's under under Tucson Bitcoin's profile. I don't know if I retweeted retweeted on Toxic Airways. Yeah. I re- I retweeted it. So go. Or I don't know. Yeah. yeah go go look at anyway. What are we talking about? I'll be amazed if this show is up for much longer on YouTube. <laughs> I think I think probably probably there's a threshold of viewers. I don't know. Yeah, we're gonna be Maybe shadow banned before they before they care. I don't know. But oh, that's what I was gonna say. So like the the COVID stuff. So going into COVID, if you had asked me, you know, let's let's call it December of 2019, what percent of the population is just completely mindless sheep? I would have said, you know, probably 30, 40 percent, something like that. Um, and then now it's like, I don't know, I'm thinking 85 is pretty conservative. Um, 
And just my rough proxy for that is, I was telling somebody the other day, is things like, have you put on a mask outside in the last six months? Because if so, you're probably hopeless. <laughs> I don't know if I really want to wear a mask at all outside this entire time. Yeah. I feel really sad for those poor souls that are sitting at a bus stop by themselves with the mask on in 110 degree weather. Fucking the guy doing landscape, I tweeted this, but the guy doing landscaping outside my house today was wearing a mask. And as whatever company he worked for had had customers complain because the, the landscapers weren't wearing masks, you know, presumably just some fucking, I don't know, some dumb bitch sitting inside in the AC looks out the window and, you know, so oh, that guy needs to go wear a mask, even though he's the one actually, it's just, it's gross. Yeah. It's disgusting. That's just awful. I mean, it's so hot. Um, yeah, I mean, what we're going to see ultimately is a massive fracturing of society as a result of this. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> I'm excited. It's already starting. So so why, go into that a little bit, why do you think that's a good thing? Um, I I think the sooner we can kind of crystallize the difference between people who are authoritarians and people who are not. Like that's something we've talked about before is the dividing line is not culture. It's not race. It's not even really politics specifically. It's, are you trying to control somebody else's life or not? And if the answer is no, I'm not, then, you know, then I have no issue with you, you know, I'll, you know, everything, whatever else you want to do outside of that, you know, go for it. It's none of my business. Um, And I think, the sooner that we can formalize that split and, you know, I don't know if, if vaccine passports, if that's the one that'll do it, if, you know, forced vaccination on kids, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe it'll be a combination of things. I don't know what exactly it'll be that'll, that'll, that'll put that split in, you know, and be the starting point towards leading towards, you know, like a balkanization of the country type situation, um, which I think would be extremely positive. Like some, some point where the federal government dissolves and there's a set of autonomous regions. And then, you know, over time, those same thing happens there until it gets smaller and smaller and more decentralized. But that I have no idea what the timeline is on that. Yeah. I saw some really interesting, and I was saying how I don't trust statistics earlier and I still don't trust the statistics, but the fact that this article was floating around citing that um, I think it was like 44% of conservatives want to southern conservatives want to uh secede um, nice. Good for them. and there was a bunch of democrats in california and i am 100 percent for the idea of california seceding loaded off into the pacific yeah i can't stay in california i love I, I was talking with brian harrington today I, I love there's some great people in california but the the state i just can't stand it orange, orange county is very nice i was out there last week um, it's a OC Bitcoin meetup. I've seen Nick Batia. That was pretty cool. Um, Orange County was very, very reasonable. I didn't see any COVID hysteria, um, but I'm sure outside of Orange County, it's it's pretty terrible pretty quick. Yeah. So Don says, nine college students in Indiana tried to sue Indiana University for vaccine requirement, and they all lost today. No surprise there. Yeah. The uh, academies are the bastion of the state. They serve to serve the state in the same way that public schools do. And the solution there is just don't go to college. Yeah. And it's like, as long as you're participating in that, and this is, this is the problem with voting, like this is the problem with, 
ESG. It's like, this is the problem with, you know, continually going to this university that requires vaccine. It's like, you're funding your own oppression. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? I don't, you know, like if somebody is trying to make ends meet and they have a job and the job says you get the vaccine or you quit and you're homeless, that's a very, very, very hard decision. And I don't fault anybody, whatever, you know, decision they make in that kind of a scenario. But it's like these situations where, you know, it's like, oh, this public state school wants to put poison in my body so I can go, you know, have the pleasure of enjoying their indoctrination. Like, man, go fuck yourself. You know. That's I think that's a totally different thing. Yeah. Don't go to places that they hate you. Yeah. It's really, really simple. I think like I think like one of the things that uh a lot of people struggle with is like needing permission to do things. Yeah. Um, or feeling like they need permission to do things. I think a lot of people just kinda go along with the flow until they're told it's okay not to. Yeah. And that's kind of what I hope for a show like this and, you know, the other content I produce is it's like permission to, to, to say no. So fun facts, everything I read, like I, I found an appropriate dose, but it's, it's just mind boggling that we're having to take antiparasitic drugs in order to get rid of this thing. Mm. So, I mean, it's like they essentially created a parasite, not like a, a disease. Yeah, it is super weird. And hydroxychloroquine is also, you know, a malaria drug, which is somewhat of a parasite. Yeah. It's kind of weird. But at the end of the day, Bitcoin is the vaccine to status cox. And it's also the parasite to the fiat system. Yes. Yeah. It literally feeds off the host of fiat and and benefits. It's it, God, I love it because I mean the state is a parasite. The That's state right. consumes the productive private sector and it has to do that by, you know, like rape and pillaging, like our, the fruits of our labor, because we, we as the private sector perform and just thrive in spite of the state itself because we are its weakness. I don't know. I'm going down a rabbit hole, but I just, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they just leech off of us. Steal our productivity. Hey, I'll, I'll put a spin zone on the uh, on that proposed BIP. Um, it's telling that they're coming out preemptively and trying to obtain, or it's. I think it's telling that they're coming out and trying to. They're kind of giving the playbook away on how they're approaching the travel rule. I mean, mm -hmm. this is the first time any vast or any Bitcoin ATM that we're aware of has publicly come forth and said, we're aware of the travel rule and these are the five things that we're thinking. So in, in a way, it's almost like they're tipping off their users about this is what's coming down the pipeline. Okay, be ready for it. And if this is an issue for you, then don't use us. Uh, the reason I say that is because the mechanism of which they describe how their ATM works seems to be... Um, 
it seems to eliminate some of the operators in that market. It's not a very large market. Uh, and then I, it's, this is a little bit more conspiratorial, but I'm wondering if this was done, like consider that maybe the executive board and the compliance team is saying like, nope, we're going to comply with the travel rule. We will comply 100%. And then it's possible someone on the dev team or an engineer or someone was like, wow, the market's going to fucking hate this. I'm just going to post this BIP anonymously and let, you know, the, the community is going to provide feedback on this and our company is going to see it. And they're going to see like how hated this idea is. And it's, it could influence their decision that way. So that overall, like, I don't think that's the case, but this is the spin zone. I'm sorry, logic. What, what is this BIP about? So the BIP says, so the the financial action task force is I don't even think they're a government agency, but they're they're an oversight entity. Um, so they're unelected, um, and they're coming out. Uh, I can't remember the travel rule. This isn't my area of expertise, but there the travel rule is something like you have to make a best effort attempt at trying to identify where the funds are going. Uh, it's easier for financial institutions because like they operate within the system. Uh, it's a lot hard. I mean, certainly there is no travel rule compliance with respect to blockchain because it's only on the blockchain. You can do whatever the hell you want, not privately, but you can do whatever you want. Um, so the travel rule they're saying is that it basically if any centralized entity, sorry, if any um, centralized exchange or virtual asset service provider is going to enable a withdrawal on the blockchain, then you have to identify where that money is going. Um, in this case, it looks like uh, the specific context of this, the idea of a BIP, because it's not a BIP yet, but it looks like they, they're not exactly trying to obtain KYC. They are trying to obtain uh, at the very least, the virtual asset service provider of the destination of funds. Uh, and really, this is KYC with extra steps, because imagine from the Bitcoin ATM's perspective, they conduct, or money laundering is conducted through their machines, and they're just trying to say, look, we don't know. Look, man, we don't know. But we know, like, we don't know who's doing this, but we know they sent it to this wallet. So go take your subpoena and go over here. It seems to me that that's the, the goal for this uh, proposal. Um, again, no no one else has come forth and has even hinted. I don't think anybody's even hinted at what their game plan looks like. So it's pretty cool that they actually released their entire game plan. Um, and then I, I do want to say uh, I don't I haven't used um, crap that company that came out with that stupid Spike Lee commercial. I've never used them. I've actually uh, don't have any HTM experience, but I think it's then it would make sense to me that if you're going to splash out millions of dollars fucking Spike Lee commercial and not even say the word Bitcoin, that you don't care about Bitcoin. You just care about your business. And that, that to me is what this proposal says. So correct me if I'm wrong. Someone in FATF made a bit that would basically regulate 
ATM providers because in a way they're money launder transfer, I mean, or money transferring businesses. I, I probably, um, my understanding it was from the ATM company and it's a proposed BIP that probably won't get numbered. So is the ATM company making this BIP on behalf of FATF or are they making this BIP to protect themselves from whatever FATF tries to do? Good question. No, I think that's a fair question. I, I think you could say one, the other, or both. Like, how do we know that the person who proposed this BIP didn't come from FATF and is now working at the ATM company? Like, the industry is incestuous. Um, everybody knows everybody. So it looks like it's the ATM company proposing this on behalf of themselves. Wait, that's the, the Bitcoin slash crypto industry is incestuous? Uh, no, I was thinking more like the regulatory industry. Okay. Right. So, and the example that I give for that is the former CTO of Chainalysis is now the, um, the leader of FinCEN. Nice. And he hasn't come down and dictated chain on-chain surveillance for the industry yet, but I fucking will bet a million stats that that's, that's going to happen by the end of Joe Biden's term. This is the ATM company proposing the rule on their behalf, but in support of the FATF travel rule. Fuck that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah exactly. I was just going to say we should never miss an opportunity to point out that the prosecutor of Ross Albrecht works for Coinbase. Coinbase is racist. Yeah. That's what American Hoddle's been showing that on Clubhouse, I guess. He's been telling everybody, don't use Coinbase. Coinbase is racist. Coinbase just sucks. I forget why exactly. There was some news article, one of those bullshit news articles or whatever. I haven't logged into Coinbase for years. I need to look at what they have listed. Um, but yeah, this, that proposal. So yeah, so that's a great, great comment from Don. It creates equivalent of an API to send full KYC, including, uh, what's SP? Service provider. Service provider, location info to anyone you can scan with QR. Coinbase, too. yeah. Coinbase does teach critical race. Well, and here's the thing about kind of going, I'm, I'm going to derail this and segue a little bit, but Coinbase teaches critical race theory. You know, Raytheon teaches critical race theory. It, it all has to do with these publicly traded companies and their access to ESG funds. Yeah. That's what it is. So, like ESG, environmental, social governance, and yeah. that falls under the social side of things. And they can leverage that. What it comes down to is just, I, I think ultimately it just comes down to demoralizing people. Yeah. Raytheon will, you know, use green energy and LGBTQ friendly workplaces and, you know, all this other stuff in their mission to murder children for living on the wrong patch of dirt, basically. But it, that's what they make their money off is bombing hospitals and schools and these places. Yeah, but this isn't even about being inclusive. And I think that's really important to um, talk about is like, it, I don't think striving to be inclusive is a bad thing, you know, and addressing racism. Like if somebody says a racist, something that's racist to somebody, you know, and it's harmful to address that, you know, go through the uh, channels, you know, and we've had tons and tons of issues with this happening in corporate structures for years of people treating each other you know, like shit, you know, with sexual abuse of women and stuff like that. But that's not about what this is about. It's what it, I think ultimately critical race theory is really effective at is 
separating insiders from outsiders, you know, because you change language, you know, you have to use pronouns now you have to, um, which that doesn't follow the pronoun aspect. It doesn't, isn't necessarily critical race theory. It's critical theory um, on a larger scale, but it, it's really easy to tell who's in and out. And it's about, you know, demoralizing people. And a young lurk was talking about earlier, you know, people are scared to stand up and share their opinion. And that's ultimately what it's about is like people are watching this and they're like, this is ridiculous, but I can't say anything. And that's why we see every Hollywood movie suck and be full of this propaganda is because you got a ton of people that are terrified. And so, yeah. And I think ultimately they want to weed us out, but they want to like put us into these, you know, prisons essentially where we can't do anything. And I, I think the way that we can use it against them is say, you know, yeah, you don't want us in your society. You know, right. so, yeah. we're out. I don't want to be in your society either. I don't, you know, I don't want to be in a place that cares if I'm vaccinated, you know, all this stuff that we've been talking about. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it'll be, I think it could be a pretty rough short term, you know, call it three years, five years, something like that. But anything beyond that, I'm just wildly, wildly optimistic about what this all looks like. Yeah. I don't think any of it's sustainable. Like they're not going to be able to hold the charade together because, you know, when they inflate the food supply or the cost of food and, and housing to the point where nobody can afford it anymore, you know, what's going to happen. There's going to be a breakdown. They're not going to be able to control anything anymore. Yeah. And it's, you know, as more and more people get fuck you money, which is, hmm. you know, fuck you money. If I have 10,000 sats, I can do whatever I want with those 10,000 sats, but it's also fuck you money of once I have enough, I can do whatever I want because I don't have to care what you think. Like that's, you know, not to bring up breed love all over again, but like these people who, who shit coin, who, you know, lose their principles who, or don't have principles or whatever. To me, what's, what's so unfortunate about all of that is to be, you know, right on the edge of having fuck you money. And even if you're rich, if you don't use fuck you money, then you know, it doesn't count. But like to, to have that kind of power and freedom and, you know, to me, the upside of that is to live a principled life of, you know, once I have, you know, I have fuck you money in Bitcoin. And so, you know, I can do whatever I want with that money. And, you know, the outcome of that is I can live by my principles. Like I don't have to compromise principles. I don't have to you know, do all this garbage for short-term gain and all that nonsense. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a luxury that that provides. And like I said, and that's true whether a person has 10,000 sats or more. Yeah, spin the fold wheel. There you go. Withdraw it, throw it through coin join. Yeah, definitely throw it through coin join. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm feeling pretty optimistic. And like one of the things that gets me feeling optimistic is I think they're going to have a really hard time coordinating these things together because there's so many different agendas and the, the, the central planning always fails. Uh, I did not see that. I didn't see this either. Don says, what do you guys think about Jason Williams pumping that Thor token rug pull? I didn't, I didn't, I don't, think, I don't believe I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, I don't, I didn't see that. Thor, I know we actually had it on the, the list. Um, so that, Shapeshift didn't start that, but it sounds like that's what they're launching there. Their Fox. Token. Eric Voorhees was a big advocate for 
4chain. I had a guy come to one of the Bitcoin meetups and tell me all about ThorChain or well, he didn't really tell me all about it because I wasn't really listening, but he was trying to show me on it and said that I would love it because I'm a maximalist. Why would I want to trade shit coins for Bitcoin on a shitcoin project if I'm a maximalist? Why does that provide any use case for me? But yeah, I mean, what it comes down to is these are not decentralized projects and they don't need a token to operate. And so Don saying a couple of months ago, he, Jason Williams, interviewed their t- the Thor team on Twitter and pumped them on Twitter. Yeah, he... I don't know anything don't know. about I, him. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with Jason Williams. I've, I was on Clubhouse for about six weeks and then quit. Um, and I saw him in some rooms on there. And then I know during the bear market, he was buying like 100 Bitcoin at a time and then tweeting out the screenshots. So, yeah. But yeah, going back to Eric Voorhees and Shapeshift, they, they've got a token on their website right now called Fox Token that promises up to 750% APR. It's like, if that that's a scam, or if it's not a scam, I don't know what it is. And it's roughly like an alternative to Binance Chain or Ethereum or oh. like, isn't that like the Belgier? The bullshit no one needs to scam people you can that's those are your choices i believe it's yeah like an alternative to ethereum maybe this uh thor chain is foxes that'd be a utility token i don't know what difference it's a token that comes with amazing superpowers oh so it's a superpower token yeah so. <laughs> yeah my gosh yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting to get upset with shit coins, shit coiners. Yeah, I don't know. I I look at it as financial Darwinism, and there's just kind of going back to you know what we've talked about on a few episodes of the mob. Like, there's just a lot of people who are either completely incapable or completely unwilling to have any kind of you know critical interaction with reality and it's not good it doesn't make me happy i wish it wasn't the case but i don't i don't know i don't see a path toward that changing for 80 some maybe more percent of the population yeah well i was happy to see that the uh, tucson shitcoin meetup is back up (laughs) they said they couldn't uh continue to meet because of covid which kind of shows where their mindset is. But on their uh, meetup page, they have uh, noted that they're going to be discussing EOS and Tron. Okay. That's what, there was a, I won't say which one, but there was a technical tech meetup um, in Tucson that I used to go to when I lived here before. And, you know, I knew a lot of people from there, came back and I was like, hey, you know, I texted several of them. Hey, you guys want to be happy hour, you know, whatever. When's the next one? And they send me a Zoom link. I'm like, the fuck is this? <laughs> They're like, oh, we're not doing online events yet. You know, we're waiting for, you know, whatever, vaccination rate or some bullshit. I don't even know what. It's like, you guys are doing Zoom events still? And he's like, yeah, we're just trying to play it safe and keep everybody comfortable, whatever. He's like, he's like, so you're going to be there? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. Like, and, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, I just don't. That's to the point where it's like I've met so many great Bitcoin people. You know, it's like, why the fuck would I 
spend time with people who are a word that got me banned from Twitter, retarded. <laughs> I've been amazed uh, the last you know week or so how many anti-vaccine posts I've seen on Twitter. Yeah, and I wonder if it is because, like the the first thing that comes to mind is just a psyop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. I don't know. It was, ref- I guess, at least the initial pass in France got reversed a little bit. They were going to do, you know, scan your passport to go to a bar, all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but I think Europe's totally lost. Like, I, I've, I've never been to Europe. And at this point, I don't see that happening in at least in the next couple of decades. Like, there's so many other places I'd rather go visit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really excited to see Max Kaiser scream about Christine Lagarde next month. Yeah. I, They're financial terrorists. <laughs> I mean, they are. Oh, man. You see that video of Conor McGregor? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That blew my mind. That guy is such a tool. Yeah. He got his ass kicked by Poirier. He kicked his own ass. Yeah. Broke his Broke shin on a... Was it his shin? I thought it, yeah. Yeah, it was his tibia broken on a leg kick and then stepped back and it just totally fractured. You know, it's always a bummer to see that happen to somebody, but um, at the same time, it's... If it has to happen to somebody. Yeah. Might as well be the biggest tool. Yeah. Well, And that's it. I can't remember if we talked about this again. It was here or somewhere else, but like somebody's arrogant and they back it up. I love it. I think, you know, Mike Tyson at his prime, I think, is just one of the greatest things ever, you know. But, you know, McGregor, especially after he got absolutely manhandled by Khabib, it's like, uh, I don't know, and then still be talking that much shit. It's like, hey, why don't you work on backing it up first? I think one of the things I appreciate about the UFC is Dana White's attitude through this whole thing. Dana White's kind of a asshole sometimes, and the way he treats his fighters and you know, with the whole Reebok deal and that kind of continuing on. Oh, crypto.com. They, they were uh, sponsoring the UFC at this oh, really? recent event. Yeah. Good old shit coin company. I didn't want, did you watch this weekend? This past one? No. Oh. Okay. I, I'm, I'm a bad fan. I have trouble following sports ball and other things, but I mean, it, it like you look at all the other sports and it's falling to the same problem of going and just beating the drum of whatever the narrative is mm-hmm. and people don't like it and it fractures their fan base. It's not very good for business, but the UFC has not done that so much. Yeah. When Dana White was like openly pro, pro Trump, which was at least outside the norm, you know, fuck politics, fuck politicians, all that, but it was at least a little bit outside the norm of I don't know, towing the party line. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's play. Um, what, what, how do you think things would look right now if Trump was president? Oh. I don't think they would be any better. No. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't voted in a while and don't see that changing ever. Um, Voting is for clowns. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, there. Yeah, I guess there'd be more. Probably be more. Actually, I don't know if there'd be more turmoil 
Yeah, I really don't know. I think we would have printed just as much money. Oh, for sure. I think it's really funny when uh, people try to point um, inflation on Biden. It's like, come on, it's a collective effort. Everybody has responsibility in this. Yeah, the policies around banking and foreign policy and all that have been the same since World War II. Like that doesn't, that doesn't change. Yeah, some minor, minor grandstanding differences. Yeah. The last guy that tried to change the foreign policy one, they sent through Dallas in a convertible. So that's such a that's such a great term to use. You can't say that, or else they'll roll you through Dallas in a convertible. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the Joe Rogan to Gary Johnson. Did we tell that story on here? That's such a good I don't story. think so. So uh, uh, this is not Bitcoin related at all. Eh, it kind of is because fuck the state. NSA um, is Satoshi Nakamoto. So uh, 2016, Gary Johnson is on Joe Rogan and he's explaining how the NSA was established by executive order. And so technically, you know, whoever's president can disband the NSA. I think he was saying the CIA too, but I don't know for sure. I know for sure the NSA. So anyway, it's established by executive order. So technically, any president can just reverse that executive order and completely disband the NSA. And so Joe like pulls the microphone to the side. And this was back when Joe was still funny before he went on Spotify. He goes, hey, just between you and me, that sounds like a pretty goddamn good way to get rolled through Dallas to convertible, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, that, uh, what's he saying? If Trump was president now, I think we would be in a war. I don't think he'd be able to pump the system full of money unless he went to war. That's entirely possible. I mean, we are at war. Yeah. I, I am 100%... My uh, phone fell on the microphone stand. Oh, okay. Cool. I thought it was the dog. Um, I I think we're 100 percent at war. I think like all these cyber attacks. I mean, if you if you go and you just look through headlines, you know, every week you'll see that there are multiple oil refineries around the world that are on fire. There's one in Azerbaijan recently, one in Iran, that one that happened in Mexico. Uh, these cyber attacks that are happening. Uh, that the trade wars in a way that we saw between the U S and China was, you know, pretty, pretty um, intense. I just think it looks a lot different. I think, you know, our society in a way is in a civil war right now, but it's just not hot in the same way. I mean, you've got people fighting in the streets all the time. You've got States coming out and now passing constitutional carry and mandating or stating that they're going to be second amendment sanctuary States. Um, and just defying the federal government, you've got a lot of talk of secession. You know, there's so many things going on right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it might have been like a war between Trump and the intelligence agencies, kind of like we saw um, towards the end of his pre presidency. But um, yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts. And that's why it's good to have a farm with chickens. Yeah. That's a, my, to me, like, like the federal government's trending to zero period. Mm -hmm. And it's my hope is that it is more of a, you know, Soviet union, 1989 type breakup where it's just like not there one day and not working. And like, nobody, I mean, there's a, of course you can pinpoint when the wall fell down, but outside of that, you can't really pinpoint. This was the day the Soviet union fell, um, you know, and yeah, I, that's that's to me like that would be the most optimistic way is if it 
was this long, you know, maybe not long, but slow process, but I am operating on the assumption that it's going to be, you know, that they're going to go Soviet and that it is going to get pretty ugly. Yeah. And I'll be presently surprised if it doesn't. It would have been fun to, to be alive during that time. I wasn't born yet. Um, but I saw this awesome documentary about a guy that went and tried to buy a nuclear submarine from Russia oh, nice. to bring down to Colombia for some drug smuggling. We were talking about that a couple of weeks ago about how everything's going to be for sale and how we're really yeah. limiting ourselves with what we can buy with Bitcoin in the future. I have a fun bet with uh, Bud Tugley, who was on here earlier, that uh, by the year 2032... <laughs> The, uh, the Navy will have sold a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier for Bitcoin. Just as a, That was like the most tangible example I could think of of the end of the American empire. Who would they sell it to? Somebody with a lot of Bitcoin. Trace, Trace Mayer is going to buy it. Yeah, as long as he hasn't traded it away by then. So maybe Adam back. I don't know. Somebody like that. There's, there's so many cooler things you could buy than an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Aircraft carriers are pretty sick, but yeah. Yeah. Probably put a lot of miners on there. I know my whole thing, you know, ongoing is I want to get it, one of the decommissioned Titan missile silos. Yeah, but this this is something I know we were talking about uh, earlier last week or the week before is you know just talking about you know there's a lot of Bitcoiners who are talking about hyper Bitcoinization and they're like oh I'm looking on Zillow for my Citadel and I hear that and I think my Citadel's not on Zillow like my Citadel is currently owned by a classified department of the federal government. Like that's, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at one of these bases or underground shit or missile silo, like area 51. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to get six bedrooms in a suburb. No, it's not going to happen. Area 51 would be the perfect spot for a Citadel. Yeah. Out at Groom Lake. Yeah. It's, have you ever been out there before? Uh, no, just in pictures and read about it. It's, that's another, Annie Jacobson did a book on area 51 specifically. It's very good too. I put that on my reading list. But yeah, it's it's so beautiful out there. Like in my head, I thought Nevada was just going to be you know your typical desert. But when you get out there, it's high desert and it's a lot cooler and really pretty. And it, it's just way way in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to get out there. Yeah, I don't know if there's any good water sources. There there has to be. There's probably some good well water. And I know a guy who got married uh, last year. I think. And their honeymoon was to drive to a bunch of different uh, alien sightings and drop acid at each one. Oh, nice. So they went to Area 51, Roswell, a bunch of other places. Area 51 would be a good place to do that, too. There's like this small town called Rachel. It depends on which side you go to. I haven't been. I think the other side, it's called Hurricane. Um, That's where you can see the white bus drive in, where it picks up all the people, drives them in from Hurricane. Um, but on the Rachel, Nevada side, there's just small town with maybe like 10 houses. And then the other side is all BLM land that you can just camp on. And it's pretty cool. Nice. Just a highway running down. Maybe, maybe we could say like the, the start of the fall of the federal government was when the raid of Area 51 happened. Maybe. That was the, the catalyst. There's a there's a theory that uh, killing Harambe uh, put us into an alternate parallel universe because that was 
I forget the exact timeline, but basically it was shortly before Trump announced his presidency mm-hmm. was when the gorilla got killed. And then uh, people say that something about killing, I don't know, you read on Reddit. RIP Harambe. Yeah. That was a sad day. Harambe Cafe in Tucson. Go check it out. Maybe they could be one of our sponsors. Is there actually one called that? Yeah, it's a, it's a cafe attached to a dispensary that'll let you smoke weed there. It's pretty sweet. I didn't know you could do that yet. And I didn't. I didn't either until a couple weeks ago. I went to, yeah, I went went by there. And they're like, oh yeah, and you can go try it out in our cafe back there. And I was like, no shit, nice. I didn't, but I filed that away because I definitely wanted to check it out. So, if the federal government falls, do you think Ross Ulbricht will get out of prison? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's at this point, it looks like that's you know the Bitcoin price going up is the only thing that's going to break him out of prison, most likely. Um. Either, either by, you know, us getting together and buying a pardon, which those will be for sale before too long, um, or, you know, having the resources to, to some other way um, help him, help him get out like he should be. I just hope he makes it. Yeah, it's just a soul crushing experience. Yeah. When I I'm going to be moving and building a new podcast studio, and I'm going to put up a his drawing that his mom gave me. Oh, yeah. That thing is pretty cool. Yeah. I remember that. That was, yeah. It was a barrio. It's cool. Yeah. Cool. ESG's bullshit. ESG's bullshit. So is Thor. Buy Bitcoin. Don't sell it. Don't use leverage. We don't know how much ivermectin to take. Yeah. Sorry, Phil. We couldn't get you an exact medical answer. Can always count on him to ask a question like that. Yeah. When in doubt, Right. I was gonna say when in doubt, take the whole bottle, but not, not great to joke. That's about. that's probably that a terrible idea. Yeah. I mean that stuff's like no joke. I think like this is one of the things that's really bad about the way that they're controlling the narrative right now is that people, you know, see that this is a possibility for treatment and they know how dishonest these people are. And they think, oh, well, then this is the answer. You know, this is good. But, you know, a deworming drug, it's going to be pretty heavy on your body. So you want medical um, supervision when you're doing something like that, obviously. Yeah. There's got to be some information on dosage based on how much you weigh. or. Yeah, maybe. Well, thanks for calling in. Don, you got any last questions for us? All right. Go check out Dirtbags Bar. Best place to meet your future ex-wife. Best bar in Tucson.